So we are having the story of the lost sheep. So first of all, I'd better read that so you remember what it is. Um, I'm sure that um, you've probably all heard it a thousand times. You all know exactly what it's about. But let's read it and let's pretend you don't know anything about it and just see if there's anything in the story that speaks to you. So the first bit of the story that I won't read is, is about the Pharisees complaining to Jesus about who he eats with and who he drinks with, who he looks like he socialises with. And then we get to the story, this is, what, this is Jesus' words, and it's part of three, as Luke records, it's part of three stories of lost things. We have the lost sheep, we have the lost coin, and the lost children, I guess you would say. So this is what it says, this is what Jesus says. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So isn't that a lovely story? The sheep that wandered away from the shepherd has been brought back home. But what does it mean for us? What's the relevance? Who cares? We haven't gone anywhere. Physically, I know where you all are. You're all in Sixth Form Centre in Marlow. Nobody here is lost. But actually, this is a story. Keith prayed about being lost, and so we all sometimes feel lost. But this is a story when it's good to be lost. This is a story when it's good to feel maybe like you don't belong. Because there is a loving God who chases after you, who is in constant pursuit of you. And it's a story of celebration. You know, when I was young, you, you would think God had a bit of a problem. Someone ate an apple and 2,000 years later we're, we're talking about it. And when I was young, that felt, felt like a very judgmental God. Why would God get so uptight about an apple? And it made me begin to think that God was a big bad judge. But when we read this story, is it a story of a shepherd going to a sheep and being furious and judgmental? Or is the story a bit different to that? This is a story about the shepherd finding you and you finding the shepherd. And this is about the shepherd carrying you and taking you home. This is about you having trust in the shepherd and know that you're safe with the shepherd. So anyway, Kathy's got a little illustration from a, a mother's perspective of a child. No, a mother, I don't know what she's got anyway. Has she? Not at all, that's wrong, Phil. Anyway, um, Phil was talking about this this week, this story in the Bible, and I thought, really lovely, nice, cute little story of lambs and whatnot. But in Marlow, I don't have any experience of sheep. So this story uh, was written in the Bible, as we know, thousands of years ago. 
relevant to the people and the children that lived in those times. And they would get that whole meaning of a sheep wandering away and worrying about it. <clears throat> but in um, Marlow in 2022, um, yeah, I'm not kind of very familiar with the sheep wandering. I, I understand the story. So I was thinking, how could we really think of that in more modern t- words, a more modern version? And so <clears throat> what came to me is this. Now, how many of you have been at school at some time or other? Everybody. So I think hopefully you'll understand what I'm going to say. Particularly this happens in PE lessons, but this can happen actually in many lessons. The teacher says, okay, I'm going to put you into teams. You two there, you're the captains, you pick your teams. Everybody remember this? Now, if you were Mr. or Mrs. Popular, you would be picked first. Fabulous. But if you weren't Mr. or Mrs. Popular, or you weren't particularly gifted at whatever the thing was that you were doing, or people just didn't like you for some weird reason, do you remember that sinking feeling where everyone was picked out? You get down, yeah, I can see Andrew's nodding. I can even remember this feeling right now, and I was at school many years ago. And you are the last person, or last two or three, to be chosen. Feels pretty rubbish, doesn't it? But the good news is that God doesn't have teams. He's only got the one team. And he doesn't go around picking anybody. Because to him, everybody has got the same value. So there's no teams in God's world. And I think that's personally a little bit like the sheep story. There's no one left on the outside has to come back. You're all in his team. So, yeah, so the message to the children before you go out, I'm not sure what age equates to a child, but anyway, before you go out, the message is that you are of value to God. You're not left behind. He loves you. And he's proved his love on the cross. Who would go to such lengths to prove their love? So if there's one thing you've heard this morning, I'd like it just to be that we are loved by an amazing God who sees us individually, who knows us individually and draws us to him in his family. So... Welcome to Jesus' family and know that he loves you more than you could ever understand. Right, I just want you to imagine now Jesus walking up to you and standing in front of you like this, you're the closest Anthea, and telling you the story. Just think for a moment how you would feel. Because Jesus was trying to explain that his kingdom is different to what the Pharisees were thinking. And of course, in this world, we do get things terribly wrong. And we do 
I don't know, we put people in a box, don't we? And we do judge people and we, we think of, you know, this person is like such and such. Well, this person makes me feel better about myself. You know, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like them. Do you ever have that feeling? And so Jesus was trying to say to his critics, the religious leaders who were so close to God, who knew everything, who knew all the rules, and in knowing all the rules, they were almost telling God how to play the game. Maybe they didn't fully understand that Jesus was God, but you see, their focus was totally wrong. They did not understand the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we belong to. And I think one of the things we need to get hold of to really understand is that actually being lost is okay because the Bible's very clear that we're all lost. We don't quite fit in this world. We have a yearning for something that nothing in this world can fulfil. We know people who have maybe everything we think we might dream of. But they don't have everything. They're looking for something else. They're looking for more. And if we derive our value from what we know, what we think we know, for how clever we are, for how lovely we are, for how good we are in a swimming pool, if you know, if these are the things that give us value, then we're mistaken. They don't give us value. Our value comes from knowing Christ. Our value comes from knowing he loves us. Our value comes from knowing we're part of his family. And so he was really saying to the Pharisees, look, you, you, it's pointless me spending time with you. I love you. Pointless me spending time with you, just, you're not going to listen. I need to spend time with the people who are going to listen. The people who are lost, who know they're lost, because we have to admit first we're lost in order to be found. And the story makes it sound like it's a shepherd searching for us, and it is that, and of course then we have a role to play as well, as, as to find the shepherd as he looks for us. So I just want to challenge you is where do you think you fit in the story? Do you see yourself as being the lost sheep? Do you see yourself as being the Pharisees? Do you see yourself as being the good shepherd? Because we are called to be like Jesus, aren't we? So as we think about this story, I, just, I guess the key things for me are, are to realise how amazing God is and how unfathomable his love for us is. We often just don't get it. So we need to have a big vision and a big picture of how, how amazing God is. And then we need to know that he is pursuing us constantly. He doesn't find us once, job done. It's all finished. It's not really a legal contract as much as it would be, say, a marriage contract. It's the beginning of something. And I just want, to, want you to know, when does 
the celebration begin. I mean, the celebration begins immediately. God's not angry with us. God loves us. God wants, he knows physically where we are. He wants our hearts. And so we need to be having a picture of a loving God who loves me, who loves you, who pursues you day in, day out and wants you. And maybe some days we are a bit like the Pharisees. Maybe some days we realise our lostness and we trust in God completely. And maybe some days we're helping others. And I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, the price that was paid. You know, how would somebody going to the cross say, I go for the joy set before me? How would you go through that? Unless your love was just beyond comprehension. Now just in finishing, I just want to read... um, if I can find it, the verses, a verse of a song that you all know very well. Um, I'll read three verses of it. I'll just get the order right. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He really does love you. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. That's stunning. Stunning. I'd like us just to take a minute just to follow up on that. I don't want to rush on. So I'd like us to close our eyes and, and imagine ourselves in that position of the lost sheep and feeling, you know, crouched and calm and fearful maybe and tears potentially as well. And I want to imagine you to imagine Jesus comes and finds you and stands in front of you and you slowly look up at Jesus and you look into his eyes and you probably have that fear that Kathy mentioned about oh is he going to pick me and what's he going to say and I just want you to imagine Jesus' face just breaking into a massive smile of joy over you and he just says your name so gently and so lovingly and he says your name again he's looking straight at your face I just want you to imagine Jesus reaching down holding out his hand to pull you up And as he pulls you up, he says something to you. He whispers something to you, which you'd need to hear. And you think, have I heard that right? 
And Jesus says it again more firmly and more lovingly. Um, I had a picture a little while ago, um, and I think it, I think it fits well with this morning. Um, it's probably best if you close your eyes, and then you can kind of picture it as well and be part of it. Um, and it was, I was entering the throne room of Jesus, and as I walked through these humongous doors. This vast room, which was just incredibly opulent, covered with gold and all sorts of gems. Um, and as I stood there in the distance, really far away, there was the, you know, there was Jesus there on his throne. And as you can imagine, walking into the throne room of Jesus is not something that you do lightly or that you almost feel that you can do because it is, his, it is where he is. Um, but as I walk towards him, I eventually get to this throne, um, and all I can do is fall down on my knees, and you know, just in tears, saying, "Lord, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, you know, you know what I'm like." Um, and as I'm there crying with my eyes closed, eventually I open them and look up. And he's, he's not there. He's not on his throne. There's nobody there. But then gently I feel this arm around my shoulder. And as I look, you know, to where that person being is, I realise it's Jesus. He's come down off his throne. And he's kneeling beside me with his arm around my shoulder. And he's just saying to me, it's okay. You know, it's all right. You don't have to do it on your own. You know, let's do it together. Let's work together. And we can get through this. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. Because I love you. You're my child. And I'm always there for you. So let's do it together. <laughs> 